Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Components. I'm Ren, product marketer at Hereto and your podcast MC. I'm Patrick, CEO here at Hereto. And I'm Jared, lead solutions consultant. Thanks for joining us on our weekly conversation about componentized and structured content. Hope you enjoy this 15 or so minutes of fun talking about everything from data to innovations in AI. All right, let's get into it. Hey there, welcome to Components. I'm your host, Patrick Pozik. This is the single topic podcast that discusses modern content strategy using structured and componentized content. Just like component content, each episode is short and about one thing. All right, let's get to it. Hey, Patrick here. Today, Tim and I talk about filtering content, how it works well, and talk about a few examples that relate to video games. Enjoy. I started that little project with a few blog posts, and then I stumbled across one that was conditionalization. And I was like, um, what is this extremely long word that I need to understand right now? And I read about conditionalization. And after reading that whole blog post, I was still like, so what did I just read? And fast forward 11 months later, I think conditionalization is like the coolest thing because you can do so much with it. But I think it's like certainly intimidating, like off for like from the get go, if you don't really know what you're getting into. So I guess I would want to know if you were to explain this to someone who had no clue, like me in the beginning, like what's conditionalization in a nutshell, like Twitter length version? I mean, it's filtering. It's, you know, it's just... And I, I think that, you know, this is one of the mistakes that we see with a lot of this content stuff is that we overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Conditionalization is just the process of filtering content um, for a specific use or a specific person. Um, and, you know, the easiest way to think about this, I think, is, you know, providing instructions to somebody for different computer types. So, you know, most mm-hmm. of the time when you see a blog article or a guide or something, you have like, if you're on Mac, if you're on Windows, and you know, realistically, you probably can't eliminate that because you don't always know what type of computer somebody is looking to perform an action on. But let's say you did know, um, you know, what type of computer they were going to be doing this action on, you would just filter out the Windows stuff. So the conditionalization is conditionalizing away the content that isn't relevant to the person who's um, who's looking for it, and you know, it can be not relevant. It can be done for security. It can be done for um, a whole number of different reasons, but it's it's the fundamental thing that allows content to be created and scaled in a way where it can still be right. personalized. And like, that's incredibly useful, especially for like educational purposes. But it makes me wonder, like, what did what did companies used to do? Did they like one day have some sort of epiphany and suddenly realize that their one piece of content wasn't going to cut it? <laughs> um, well, I think depending on where you look, you know, I think I, that old adage, like the future is already here. It's just not well distributed. <sighs> um, the uh, I think most companies still don't really do anything with this. I think this, that's the reality. And you know, I think the other thing that is important to remember here is that um, most organizations don't go to this to create a better experience for their users. They go to using things like conditionalization to save themselves money, which is frankly an easier case to make. 
Um, whether or not it's mm. a better case, I suppose, is, is arguable. But really what it is, is like, if you're going to share content between two things, so if you've got, you know, you make a dishwasher in two different varieties and, you know, this sentence doesn't apply to dishwasher, you know, 100, um, mm. but it does apply to the 101 um, version of the dishwasher, the only, the only way you can avoid copying the larger content around it is to filter out that sentence. And, um, you know, that's like, that's the typical driver for conditionalization is it, it's an, it enables, um, reuse at, it enables larger pieces of reuse around what is conditionalized. I think that's the more common case, but now that people are starting to get the tooling and the infrastructure and the process and the, um, capability in place, I think that's when you start to actually look at conditionalization for experience conditionalization for experience i like that yeah i I think that's a i think that's a cool thing to call out right like there's two kinds of conditionalization there's conditionalization for um reuse and efficiency and scalability uh you know that's just to like enable reuse and then there's conditionalization for experience conditionalization for experience is getting people to the knowledge they need with less content Mm. like forcing them to read less to ingest less um, to make less decisions. So it's, it's reducing the cognitive overhead associated with acquiring some piece of information. Okay. So in a sense, if I'm going to use a pretty basic comparison here, I was thinking about like video game tutorials, like walkthroughs and how they'll have different ones based on the skill level that a player chooses is that like an apt example for conditionalized content <laughs> uh yes yeah that's a that's, that's probably a really good example for conditionalized content actually um i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that that's um that's yeah, please do <laughs> that's that's <laughs> kind of perfect uh in a couple of different ways because conditionalization for experience i think works really really well so you have different levels of this stuff and i think the the lowest hanging fruit, you know, the simplest level is when you have few variables and known outcomes like that. So what you think about is like, you know, a a video game when you're, you know, how hard do you want it to be? Or like, what's your level of experience, beginner, intermediate, you have like three very well, tightly defined categories. Um, You can associate different levels of content, which with each one of those, like blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's, that's a really good, that's a really good scenario and it's a really good example. But I think the one that's, if you, if you expand that a little bit and you, to make it something that might be a little bit more real world and maybe a little bit more interesting is like, let's say, um, you're putting together a tutorial for a, um, like a driving video game, for instance, like a racing one or something. And instead of just saying, you know, do you, are you beginner, intermediate or advanced? And that's going to be the tutorial. Maybe it's, um, you know, have you, are you experienced with like drifting or are you experienced with like the acceleration controls? Are you, um, do you understand the, the heads up display? Like, you know, have you played, um, an earlier version of this game? Like, um, Mm. you, you can start to think of it as being a little bit more, scenario based as opposed to experience based 
because I think one of the problems you often get with like beginner, intermediate, advanced is that um, people don't cleanly fall into one of those categories. Okay. So when people try to th- try to create content that is um, and it is associated with a band of experience. Mm-hmm. I think what you find is that people might be a beginner in something which is very new, a new concept, but advanced in things that are in most of the content. Okay. I was just thinking that is like sort of uh, contextual conditionalization. Like someone might not have played that specific racing video game. So they might be a beginner in that sense, but they're advanced in the sense that they have played other similar ones and they can assume experiences via context like you said like acceleration or drifting or whatever the case may be so there's like a marginal application but not specifically to that content yeah so if you think of it as like skill-based or experience-based right so um i'd have to you know i don't i don't play um racing games um, it's not that I don't play games at all. I, I do play games sometimes, but I don't, I'm not one who like typically plays racing games, but if I had to guess, I would say there's, there's like the ability to customize your car or something. Um, and right. maybe even some of these games, you can like work on the engine, you know, like it can get really complex. I know that games have gotten to be really, um, really sophisticated. So somebody might be, um, a really experienced driver of video games, you know, really you know, that like that whole category mm-hmm. and, and like all the subcategories um, of driving might be something they're very familiar with. But in this new game, you know, this new piece of software, they haven't had any experience with the uh, with the customization or the workshop or, you know, the repairing or whatever the other things that go into like, you know, whatever would be in like the garage for, you know, this this racing uh-huh. game. So you can think of it almost like a tree. You know, you have like racing on one side and you have customization of your car on the other side. And under customization of your car, um, you have like uh, repair or, you know, um, detailing or, um, you know, changing tires or whatever. Like, you know, they can have these sub things. So um, when you think of it more um, like taxonomy based, like tree based, you can also get some really interesting combinations when you're when you're uh, applying like a skill tree to it so i think that's when this stuff can get to be not only more interesting and more fun to talk about but also a lot higher value for um the learner or the reader or you know whoever it is that's utilizing this content right i i had wanted to ask why bother conditionalizing content at all or what would start it in the first place. But I think we definitely answered that. Like it's just better for your users, regardless of their skill level. Oh, totally. Because the thing is, you know, like, let's say, you know, let's, let's take it back to something that's more like business software. Right. So, um, heck let's use our software and you can imagine, you know, us putting together, um, guide and course content, which we do. And, um, right now, mostly what we do is we put it on, the web and we let people um, choose what they want to read. So we break it down and we provide people the ability to kind of self sort. But if you're thinking of, you know, in the future, moving to something where um, you're providing certification or you're providing like 
more of a push model. So, you know, like a learning style model where you're, you're providing courses, giving someone the ability to be like, um, I'm a data expert, but I don't understand um, easy data. You know, I don't understand. I've never used easy data before. Or um, I'm aware of all the things in data 1.1 but I don't have any experience with data 1.2. You know, that's kind of like under the data cat classification. Um, or even, you know, I have been using easy data 17 for, um, or I used easy data 17 in one of my previous roles at a different company for, you know, several years, but I haven't used easy data 19. And, you know, you can pretty easily start to get to a point where you can see how instead of throwing an entire corpus at somebody, I mean, you know, we have hundreds if not thousands of pages of documentation and learning materials that we've written um that would just take forever to ingest instead of throwing that all at them and you know either causing them to uh waste a great deal of time or just give up you're now presenting them a much more um efficient experience which likely has the effect that they're going to do it one and two, that they're going to get more out of it because there it isn't the the important and valuable pieces aren't laced in between a bunch of stuff that they don't want to think about. So you get a lot less like cognitive burnout. And I think that, you know, coming to that realization that this does impact people's ability to actually ingest what you're trying to provide to them makes a huge difference. I like that about cognitive burnout. I can <laughs> as someone who reads a lot of things. There is uh, the, the the inherent skim over the stuff you don't yeah. need in search of the stuff you do need. And how I wish I could conditionalize everything I need for exactly what I need, which is maybe a lot to ask, but it's certainly possible to do that better than a lot of businesses do. Sure, you can't. It's uh, no one can blame me for dreaming, right? <laughs>